Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eastern Conference Confidential Episode 6, and our, uh, what is this, like, second episode in two weeks. Uh, I am your host, as most of the time, uh, Evan Valella, joined by the lovely uh, gentleman uh, joining me in this excursion. I'm being redundant. Uh, Brennan Doherty, Ryan Allen. Guys, how we doing? Doing pretty well. Good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, my dog was sick, but, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit light on sleep, but I think I'm gonna gonna make it through. Are you going to make it to the All-Star game? If I can make a hockey reference. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. Uh, Brendan, I guess we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I feel like one of our many themes here is that we talk about Rochester and the weird moves they're making. Um, they, uh, they have a new kit and stadium deal with Capelli, and uh, you are very not happy. Uh, I'm just, I guess, underwhelmed. Um, the the new owners that took over the Rhinos last uh, about this time last year, um, David and Wendy Dworkin, um, you know, at that point the sponsorship naming rights deal with Salins had expired, um, and they didn't really go out and uh, I guess they did they didn't want to devalue their brand by signing you know some yokel. For their for their naming rights, so for the 2016 season, there wasn't a, a, an official name, uh, a sponsor for the stadium. So I guess in that respect, you know, they got it done this year. Um, last year's jerseys were uh, supplied by Javova, and they were also very underwhelming. Um, there were three jerseys: there was a white one, a yellow one, and then a black and white stripes. And the black and white stripe home jersey was the only one that was worth, um, you know, buying if you're a fan. Um, the other two looked like they were pulled straight from the, the clearance section of the back of a, of a soccer.com <laughs> catalog. And the the jerseys for the 2017 season supplied by Capelli Sport are you know, very similar, uh, very similarly underwhelming, I would say. Um, they're just very plain jerseys with um, just a, a collar and then this weird line that goes around the player's ribs on both mm-hmm. sides. Um but you know they—they're not—they don't look appealing. They're not, you know. When I saw <laughs> them, when I saw them, the, my first thought wasn't, "Oh, I can't wait to buy this jersey." It was, "Oh, are, right. those, are those the training tops?" Oh, wait, no, they're not the training tops. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Um, uh, and that was pretty. You're not much, rushing to buy these, is what you're saying. Yeah, and that was pretty much the reaction people had to the jerseys last year because, um, you know, the the home jersey wasn't finalized at the beginning of the season because Rhinos had a, a few away games to start the year um so we were hoping that the the home jersey was going to knock us out last year it was better than the others but it wasn't great i feel like this year is kind of similar to that um but i think even weirder than just the the underwhelming nature of the jersey design um what interested me is that this is like the ownership behind capelli sport um and you know their sporting director which is a weird position for an apparel company to have, but um, the owner is George Altiers and the, the sporting director is Jason Arnold, who were both involved with the Hammerheads. Yeah, those were both of the people in the front office decision, or making the decisions for the club, and and when they came in, they had controlling efforts and put Capelli as the main kit producer for pretty much all the kits, everything, even down into the um, Hammerhead Youth Academy. And after 
that they've completely moved out of the market. And I guess I'm seeing this as a way for to still be involved in the USL, even if they don't have a team. Yeah, it's a little weird. I mean, Capelli was founded in like 2011, and L tiers came on um, after the 2013 season. That was when Jason Arnold was hired in, in November or October of 2013. Um, so I mean, there was there was some time in between. Um, if Capelli was founded in 2011, you know, Arnold wasn't hired by the Hammerheads until the fall of 2013, and then they weren't the the sponsor until 2015. But um, I mean, it's also not necessarily a bad thing. But Altiers, you know, um, kind of likes to keep things in house. Um, Capelli also supplies was it his big um, youth academy? I don't I don't recall the name of it, but. Um, he has a big youth academy system in, in New Jersey uh, where he's from. Yeah, one of the <clears throat> Cedar, Cedar one Stars. One of the youth clubs in, in Newark. Cedar. Yeah, I think it was Cedar Stars. Um, and there's there's a player for the Hammerheads who got a chance to play at a, I don't know, semi-professional, low-end professional level in Germany for the team um, Deuce, Duisburg. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's a team that Alters, I think, also has an ownership stake in. So wait, Duisburg, the one with the with the with the zebra. <laughs> there we go. Right? Is that it? Yeah, because I, I love. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, um, and there's also that a player one. from My that from that German club that came to trial for the Hammerheads, and they they had a big press release about it. They tried to make a big thing out of it. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit weird that you know the first season that the Hammerheads aren't going to be in the league. A former owner of a USL team is now investing in a different USL team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little bit weird. But also, um, I just want to point out Jason Arnold. Uh, I mean, he he had like several jobs working for USL. He was the director of operations for the indoor team. He was a senior director of all the USL um, youth league, the the Super Y league, and whatever that's morphed into. Um, so I mean, he he's had a bunch of jobs in the USL league office. Yeah. Uh, then he gets hired by the Hammerheads, and now he's working um, on behalf of or working for, in the business relationship, the, the, the Rhinos. Um, just real quick, in Jeff Veronica's write-up about the, the jersey and stadium deal, he said that the, quote, uh, the deal came together over the last two months. USL officials knew the Rhinos were looking for a stadium naming rights partner and have worked with Capelli before. Um, or the Rhinos' new owners expanded their search, and with help from their league, the USL, they located one in the Big Apple. Um, so those came from Jeff Veronica's write-up, the Democratic Chronicle. Um, so the league helped arrange the deal between Capelli and the Rhinos, which I don't know if there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but it's just a little no, bit, uh, a little bit icky. Yeah. So PBGBs. Well, and I, I think. Uh, and I don't know uh, Jason Arnold or anybody involved with this. Uh, so, you know, if he ever hears this with all due respect, I think part of the reason that it's unsettling is because of who he worked for previous to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. rhinos, right? It's like, Oh, uh, Hey, um, I'm in charge of a, a kit company now. And like, we'll take care of all the sponsorship stuff for you guys. Um, and, you know, like, he didn't have to, to send in a resume or anything because if, if a guy like that uh, approached my club, 
uh, if Bethlehem, let's say, was an independent and said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I can help you guys out with financial stuff, uh, I, would, I would politely decline, given his recent uh, history with, with the Hammerheads. <clears throat> that being said, I don't think it's illegal. I just think it was one of right, those things right. where, you know, he had a lot of, of um, inside contacts in the league, and that's kind of just the guy they thought of. Like, he might be... What it probably boils down to is that he's a really nice guy in terms of <laughs> owners <laughs> and um, other corporate people. And that was kind of someone they're like, oh, we have a really good relationship with Jason. Just, you know, use him. Yeah, it just seems kind of like a weird business deal. I mean, they just now got out of having a club in the USL and to immediately jump back into another one just seems a bit murky to me. I mean, I guess we'll have to see how the season plays out for Rochester if the deal does anything else but it just seems a bit odd how quickly they moved on from a club they just now had in the league Mm -hmm. and um, when Capelli um, supplied the Hammerheads the Hammerheads were the only American professional soccer team that they outfitted and now that the Wilmington's out and, and they're supplying Rochester Rochester is the only professional American team that they're supplying and you can I mean I think the jerseys are awful, and I think their lack of experience supplying and outfitting a professional club and what fans expect the jerseys of a professional club to look like, um, you know, that inexperience is showing, and it's a, to the detriment of Rochester fans. Yeah, I mean, Capelli, anything outside of what the Hammerheads and Rochester were supplied was just a bunch of other um, PDL teams and training academies in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so if, if to, to move on to some more, I don't know, broader scope kind of things, the USL announced everybody's first game, uh, last night with the schedule coming out sometime this week, it seems, um, with everyone's preseason kicking off late next week. Uh, the, the big ones that we have going on, uh, Toronto FC two gets to host Phoenix rising FC. All the way around Which there, traveling regular... out to Phoenix. Oh, never mind. All right. Well, then. Sorry. Uh, that, I guess, wrote that no, you're wrong. Cool. Yeah, you did. <clears throat> In our <laughs> notes, it says TFC 2 v Phoenix. So. I was putting I all the that. Eastern Conference teams first. Gotcha. That's how it should be. <laughs> um, wait till the end of the season when it's playoff time, and then that'll be how it is. Uh, yeah, so Toronto traveling out to uh, uh, warm Phoenix, Phoenix Arizona. Uh, that's a weird one, because last year we didn't do any of this. Um, last year, if you'll recall, it was everybody in the conference plays each other, and no one kind of crosses borders. Uh, this year we are apparently doing away with that in grandiose fashion right away. Um, Ryan, I know you did some math on it. Care to elaborate? Yeah, this could potentially be the third longest road trip of the year. Or behind only Vancouver playing RGV and Vancouver playing St. Louis. I'm, I'm still waiting for a Whitecaps Orlando City B matchup, which yeah. would be the longest one. But as far as a crossover match go, I mean, I'd understand if it was like a St. Louis Swope Park or yeah. something right. within the border. But to me, Toronto and Phoenix doesn't seem like a proper match of opponents. I mean, if it was <laughs> Toronto-Vancouver, I would see that making sense because Canada. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they played that matchup, um, I think, in a previous previous league campaign. Was that twenty fifteen? If Vancouver was around, 
2015, right? Sounds right. Yeah. Around there. But no, that seems that just seems really weird. Um, I don't know if it's just a matter of like Toronto wanted to start early and everybody else is still you know, hibernating in winter, um, mm-hmm. because Ottawa and Rochester don't have their season their home openers until is it the 22nd of April? And every, yeah. a lot of other teams have at the end of March or the you know those first couple weeks of April. Um, the only team that starts later than them at, on their home schedule is the former Orange County Blues um, because they mm-hmm. don't have a they don't have a home. Um, but uh, yeah, that that just seems really weird. But yep. yeah, get yeah. it over with early, and then the rest of your schedule should be. Here. Um, I'll I'll just run down the. Uh the list here i know we have a couple highlighted in the notes but uh this is not because i write for them they're alphabetically <laughs> listed they are the first team bethlehem hosts rochester on april the first um and that'll be a that'll be a decent matchup not to talk too much about it before we just preview it uh here anyway but um you know two teams that were in the playoff hunt for a while one of them dropped out in terrible fashion last year um, Charleston plays Cincinnati at home on the 23rd or 25th of March, rather. Um, and like we've said it so many times before, but Cincinnati is going to be a, a dangerous team. Um, and it'll be nice to kind of see them the first week. Uh, Charlotte independents are, uh, hosting Charleston somewhere, <laughs> um, yeah. on the 1st of April. Uh, Cincinnati hosts St. Louis on the 15th. We got uh, Harrisburg hosting Bethlehem on the 15th. Uh, Those last two were of April um, in the first Keystone uh, Cup match of the season, I would think. Uh, Louisville has St. Louis on the 25th, the Battle of the Fleur de Luce. Uh, You got Red Bull and Richmond, OCB and Louisville, uh, Ottawa, Toronto, which will be a fun one, Riverhounds and uh, Red Bull 2. Richmond host Harrisburg, Rhinos host Red Bull 2 um, in a rematch of a playoff match, which should be a fun one. St. Louis host Ottawa, Tampa Bay uh, host Orlando, and Toronto host uh, Rochester. Uh, I guess, guys, just initial um, reactions to some of these games, maybe the ones that either uh, Brendan, you and I write about, or Ryan, you know, if any of them in particular stick out to you uh, in terms of rivalries. I guess maybe not as much as rivalries, but Charleston-Cincinnati should be a good one for at least top of the Eastern Conference for yeah. solid playoff teams. And this is also the second year in a row they both open their seasons against one another. And, yeah, Chucktown knocked Cincy out of the playoffs. Um, I yeah. think that might be the, uh, the the theme running through a lot of these matchups. Um, yeah, it looks it. Uh, is Red Bulls opened up this season against at home against Red Bulls. Um, uh, the Rhinos opened the season against Red Bulls last year. Um, I think in in New Jersey, and then their home opener was also against Red Bulls. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, they didn't met you guys in have the like playoffs. a playoff match or something too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in on, on route to the the championship in 2015, the Rhinos knocked out the Red Bulls um, with a red card involved. Um, you know, there were some dramatics there. Uh, and then, you know, in, in, in the playoffs and penalties uh, in 2016. So I think uh, the the schedules for the league when they when they figured out home openers, I think they're really trying to stoke that rivalry between the Rhinos and Red Bulls because teams that 
are closer to the Rhinos, like Toronto and, and Pittsburgh, um, sorry guys, mm-hmm. um, haven't really been up to that same quality on the field, so wouldn't have the same weight as, as um, you know, Red Bulls, Rochester right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think. And, and it would have been it would have been nice uh, I think if, if the Hounds and Bethlehem could have played each other first week just because uh, I feel like both of those teams either just because it's their it's, uh, for, for Bethlehem it's their second year in the league and they kind of know in terms of personnel what they need to succeed in USL a little bit more and then for the uh, for the Hounds, with uh, with Coach Brandt coming in, they seem to have found a really interesting identity. Um, I think those are two teams that can be really vastly improved in the regular season, and uh, putting them together would have been a, a really interesting uh, matchup first week. I mean, not like they won't see each other twice or three times next year, but uh, <clears throat> you know, just to just to add for uh, the intrigue of the first week, which seems like it's got a lot of really good matchups. Um, that would have been interesting. Uh, Battle of Interstate Four between Tampa and Orlando is probably one I'm going to be watching, um, just because I'll have time to because Bethlehem will be playing. Yeah, uh, I mean that matchup uh, when Orlando was in USL and Tampa was in NESL. Um, <laughs> that matchup had a lot of bad blood, especially between yeah. supporters groups. Um, yep. I- I hope that that bad blood doesn't necessarily result in the type of violence and threats and, and whatever happened yep. in the game. There's still disputes over what actually happened when those two teams and fan groups met. Sure. Um, but, you know, hopefully some of the intensity in the match will, you know, still be there, even if it's not as nasty in, in the stands. But, um, right. yeah, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily well, seem like uh, that much fan... Um, engagement has followed some of the uh, MLS two teams. So, uh, well, and it's, it's a little weird because if I can be a, a over observant for two seconds, when Orlando city, a, I'll call it, um, <laughs> had their first match at, a in, in, at home in MLS, their TIFO had them crushing all the other Florida-based teams, <laughs> which included the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have one of the guys in the unused subs pod on, hopefully before the season starts. So it will be very interesting uh, to hear Matt talk about that, because I don't think that's one of those things that they're going to forget. Um, right. What else we got? That'll definitely be more intensity coming from the Tampa side than the Orlando B oh, side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of so. course. Uh, then we got uh, Louisville St. Louis, which is the Florida Luce battle, which is the, or the River Cities Cup, depending. Um, I love the yeah. Florida Luce name. That's a really solid rivalry name. <laughs> uh, for someone that really doesn't like it when leagues try to um, manufacture rivalries, hello, the union and everybody else. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, something just that specific of a name is, is great. Um, and those are two teams, again, that are, that are heavy hitters in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think Louisville had the upper hand in that, um, you know, for a while. But mm-hmm. with Precky coming in and some of the additions, I think we're going to mention uh, some of them later. Uh, yep. St. Louis isn't going to be a pushover this year. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I'm thinking if St. Louis enters the league and or the Eastern Conference with a big, 
playing against Louisville that could at least establish them as a force to be reckoned with in their new conference. Because Louisville was at the top of the, I want to say the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference most of last season. Right. Um, so yeah, for the most with part. A strong performance against the top team. Seems exactly what Precky wants to do. Yeah. Uh, also, Pittsburgh I just want to mention his name yeah. several times to okay. him and everybody. <laughs> great, great. Uh, Precky? <laughs> right, Precky. Right, okay. Yeah, Precky. Got it, got it. Uh, I believe Precky. Uh, Pittsburgh gets another tough draw, uh, second year in a row. They've opened against the defending, uh, champions. They got the Rhinos in 2016. They get to face the, uh, new look Red Bulls in 2017. And we'll see if they're any, uh, better than the team that won the title last year, which is almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. That one's a little weird. Cause it's almost guaranteeing that whoever writes about that game is going to have to mention what happened between, um, Carl, we met and Romeo Parks. Yeah, um, yep. that's yep. the the biggest yep. incident that happened yep. in the game between those two teams. Yes. So it's a little bit of a weird decision on the league's part. If you know, if they are putting as much thought into it as we're you know putting into analyzing it, then that's a little <laughs> bit of an odd decision for the league to highlight the worst thing that happened in USL last year. I I don't know how, but I keep forgetting that that, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> and then whenever someone either says Carl, we met, or uh, Romeo Parks, I I just I I get really excited. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> it goes a little bit better on the field than the last time those two teams met. Uh, but like, if it doesn't, then we'll have something else to talk about, and we can point back to this date, which is uh, January the twenty eighth, and say we were right about something getting included again. So uh, <laughs> you know. Um, Richmond Harrisburg will be interesting just due to the fact that Harrisburg's getting cleaned out for some of their best players. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, respond to that. We'll talk about that in a second. And then, uh, yeah, Rochester and Ottawa don't um, have a home game, like you were saying earlier, Brendan, until April 22nd because inclement weather is a thing all the time for you. Uh, Rochester plays Red Bull 2. Ottawa hosts Toronto in the Battle of Ontario. Yeah, and I just want to point out that whoever is running uh, TFC2's uh, Twitter account, uh, you deserve a medal. Um, somebody, they tweeted out that they yeah. were, I don't know, when they tweeted out something about their schedule, they said that all their games were going to be at the Ontario Soccer Center. Somebody responded saying, can you put a roof on your stadium? So they responded yep. with a picture of their field with, like, just a triangle <laughs> roof over top of a, it. A MS Paint made triangle <laughs> the lines were clean so like five minutes i guess but yeah whoever yeah. uh and then um when ottawa was tweeting about the battle of ontario and they had you know a bunch of maple leafs in it tfc2 responded with um it was a gif of that girl from how i met your mother when she was the weathercaster in in, in canada um <laughs> and that was just top top notch social media good social from up north well done, everybody. Uh, I'm surprised they were able to like type in to like find that GIF if their fingers are frozen. That's rough. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have. They probably have like gloves on, like the the smartphone ones that have the, the metal oh, at the ends yeah. of them, so they can type. Um. All right. I guess we've we've hinted at them enough, so we'll talk player signings, which will go a little bit out of order, but that's uh that's fine. Um. The the big two or three. Uh. Conrad Plua 
to St. Louis. Um, yeah, the the best story in terms of guys that played in USL <laughs> last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, just another example of, of Red Bull 2 losing somebody and uh, probably finding a decent replacement for him, I would think. Yeah, um, the guys over at Once a Metro had a pretty good, really interesting piece about that, um, about the direction of New York Rebels 2 and what the club is using the USL team in order to do. Um, because mm-hmm. somebody, even from a, like a, you know, he had the talent to play at the USL level, and then, you know, he had one of the best feel-good stories, you know, probably the best feel-good story of 2016, when he recovered from a stroke mm-hmm. and then had a game-winning PK in the playoffs. Um, that That's unreal. But, yeah, the team declined. Uh, I think they declined an option on his contract, so he was able to sign with St. Louis. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Plua has, has the, the skills and the talent and, and the grit to, to perform at, at the USL level. He'll be a starter at St. Louis. Um, of course. Hopefully, hopefully New York doesn't you know regret letting him go when the two teams play, but... You know, that's a distinct possibility. Mm. Um, what else we got? Uh, oh, um, Harrisburg made two moves. They re-signed McLaws. Uh, and then they actually lost uh, Jose Barril to a team in the Western Coast that's initials and, like, a dating website. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City. Um, Energy FC pick up a really good midfielder. Um, Harrisburg loses a really good attacking threat. Um, they do re-sign McLaws, who's a, a, a solid uh, defensive mid. But, I mean, just looking at the team, unless Bobby Warshaw wants to play four uh, positions and write articles on a bi-weekly basis, uh, I, it's not looking too great for him. The good news is they're still playing. Yeah, they Right, I guess it's the team. silver lining for Harrisburg. They still exist. They made it. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I mean, the the Burrell one was a, was interesting to me because I think he's been the best player on that team for a couple of years now. Oh. Sergio Mancio signed with Ottawa. He was um, he actually played for Cleveland State, any of the Horizon League, but he's more known as a product of Tottenham's youth academy, as people probably see on Twitter. I'm a Spurs fan, so he it was, was pretty West interesting. Brom, he was also with West Brom. Yo, also with West Brom too. Not a fan. I just, I just wanted to say it so that you uh, can make this a Tottenham. Thing. He was, he was also with AFC Cleveland in the MPSL, I think. So yeah. we're not saying this guy has, you know, the world-beating pedigree, but it's fun connections. There are, there are a yeah. lot of former Tottenham players in playing in U.S. leagues, uh, including uh, Cameron Lancaster. I think he still plays for Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, Joe Gallardo to. to uh, Orlando City B is a, a mainstay in the the youth national team at the U19 level, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, he made a name for himself a couple of years ago with performances for the youth national team at some, I think, a regional tournament, CONCACAF tournament. Um, and he was with Monterrey in Mexico mm-hmm. um, and came over, moved to Orlando to actually play in their U18. They have a special name, like, a, like they call it their pro development team, but it's mm-hmm. their under 18 team. Um, mm. which is interesting that, that an American club was able to lure him over to join their academy, not even like necessarily promising a professional contract at first because he played 
um, you know, I think an entire season for their their development academy team. So mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. interesting that American clubs can get talented players to come back to the U.S. from Mexico and then use this USL team as a, as a stepping stone. Uh, because we've also seen, I think, Orlando especially sign players from their USL team to MLS contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one I put down, um, just because it's it's interesting on a couple levels, uh, Leo Fernandez signed with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, ex, Ex-Union guy, ex-Bethlehem Steel guy, but the, the big one for the Cos- or, hey, for the Rowdies is that the, uh, the New York Cosmos uh, had Leo Fernandez when he put together a uh, young player of the year season for, for the Cosmos uh, two years ago now. And um, I guess Tampa Bay liked what they saw out of him enough then, and, and now that they, uh, they've given the Brazilian by way of New York a chance to, uh, to shine on, on their squad in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, he had that talent to put together the 2015 campaign. Um, yep. And, you know, that talent didn't go anywhere. So, you know, if he has the confidence and he, he finds a, a bit yeah, of form. Uh, last year, it just seemed like he didn't really find the chemistry or, or have the chemistry mm-hmm. with uh, what was admittedly a, a really heavy rotation um, in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Uh I got I got flack on Twitter for liking him on the ball a lot when he was on it, um, and I, I'll, I'll stand by my opinion, damn it, because I think he was good on the ball. Uh, the, that being said, you know I, I, don't, I don't think it was so much him playing bad. I think it was uh, a lot of um, he needs a consistent eleven around him to find his groove, which is fair. I think there's right. a lot of guys in soccer that are like that. Um, and that was something that Bethlehem wasn't able to provide for him this year, and they didn't see enough in him come, you know, player evaluation at the end of the season to uh, take a chance and see what they could do with him in 2017. So, uh, as always, I'm glad that guys like that found another home to play professional soccer. Absolutely. Um, of course. And, uh, you know, it'll be – hopefully he doesn't light us up now when the Rowdies come to town. Um <laughs> That's why I – that's secretly between the three of us. That's why I praise these guys who leave Bethlehem is because when they come back, I don't want them to score six goals or something. It's not <laughs> because I, I like them as people. Uh, It'll be different if they go sign for a Western Conference team. Right, then yeah. you know, go, go go off as long <laughs> as we don't the see only you in the playoffs. That, yeah, and, the only way that could be bad for you is in the final. And in that case, if your you, team already made the final, so you can right. that. Or if you played for Toronto and now have to go and face someone who's signed for the Phoenix. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, the, uh, the final thing, and I will admit that I'm a little uh, underprepared for this. The Charlotte Independents cannot find a home, and no one knows what's happening. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, it's just weird. Um, the team has never really had like a, a home stadium, like a consistent home stadium. Mm-hmm. They bounce around to a couple different venues, um, and they've all been terrible. Especially, I think Rambo Wood like didn't have concessions or like had makeshift locker rooms or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen. I mean, other teams have had issues like that. The Rhinos had makeshift locker rooms for like two full seasons, um, but. Uh, yeah. Harrisburg didn't have bathrooms at what? one point, and they're playing in a middle school, <laughs> stuff like that. Right, with Charlotte was playing at an elementary school in D&D. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. uh, what, what's interesting, the, the most interesting element of this, um, you know, besides the whole 
you know, the political aspects of asking for government money for a private stadium, which whatever, but um, is the the apparent competition between the MLS bid and the USL, the existing USL team, because the, the, the bid to take to to join MLS in Charlotte is coming from a different ownership group than the current owners of yep. Charlotte Independence. So there are some feelings that the MLS bid is pushing the USL bid out of the way. Uh, which is a little weird because yeah. if you have an MLS team, they will eventually have to have a USL team. Uh, and I get that having them both play at one stadium is nigh impossible. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem like there's not enough water for, for each of the fish in the pond, if I can wing a, a metaphor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, and it's just like, oh, we didn't get your email, like, nonsense. Uh, yeah, there's a the disagreement whole... over whether the owner of the Charlotte Independent <laughs> sent an email to government officials yeah and like the guy has the receipt of his email in his outbox but the city council doesn't have it in their inbox that's why you gotta check your spam <laughs> folders guys uh but yeah um on that evan it's not it's not like there's not enough soccer fans in charlotte to support both teams but right. and i hey, mean oh hey yeah, right now is. it's not our purview but there, there right. are four different bids for professional soccer in mm. san diego uh, one in USL, two in NASL, and one in MLS. They're all separate bids. Yeah. And the issue isn't whether there are enough soccer fans in San Diego or in Charlotte to support those teams. It's who can get the best stadium deal. Um, and that, I mean, there's only one bid, there's only one ownership group, there's only one team that's going to get the sweetheart deal from the municipal government. And right. that's what they're actually competing over right now. It's not competing over a fan base. It's competing over mm. the the sweetheart deal from the government. Well, and uh, if I can uh, maybe direct the attention to some of these owners to another city in the Carolinas, I, I think <laughs> Wilmington yeah. had had a sizable fan base for, for soccer at with some a, with level. A similar, similar uh, not, now, I, also I will built say, in the 1930s. Yeah, not big enough to maintain a franchise, mind you. No. Uh, because that was why they left. But big enough to maybe maintain a franchise. Big enough for MLS too, and in fact, uh, not point fingers, but Wilmington outled Charlotte in attendance. Oh shit! And just, <laughs> I even yeah. took a trip, or I even took a trip oh. out to the Independence, and their stadium looked—it was a work in progress when I was visiting, and it just appeared out of nowhere in the city. I mean, if they get the Memorial Stadium deal, great, but. Yeah, I feel like that is going to always hang them or just kind of hold them up on any progress where I would point to you towards a North Carolina FC who already have a stadium in place and it's their own that they run. They just seem more prepared for an MLS bid than Charlotte, which kind of just tacked theirs on after North Carolina FC said, hey, we're gunning for MLS. Yeah, yeah and I mean, for, for more details, because there's a very good chance that I messed up some details. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all should follow Zach Call at Zach Call CO and Jason Bailey at um, JAS underscore BAI. Um, they're both local and knowledgeable and have actually written things about this recently. Of course. Uh, shots fired from Beyond the Grave for Ron. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I just cursed on something that my mother will listen to, so I apologize. But we're going to take the moral high ground there, Ryan. Well, um, uh, you're probably thinking, Evan, couldn't you edit that out? Like, yeah, but what's the what's the what's the point? Yeah, you guys couldn't uh, see it on the video, but when Ryan said that, when he mentioned that thing about um, the attendance, he did Yosemite Sam air pistols uh, yeah, yeah. in his room. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And then he he holstered. He actually stood up. It's weird. He's sitting down right now, but he stood up to say that, and then holstered the air pistols <laughs> as he was as he was firing his shots. I also think I can hear a little bit of the Zapruder film in the background. He's getting inspiration uh, to assassinate a franchise. Uh. <laughs> I I can't we can't end on that can we? No. Uh, all right, great. I'll try to find something. Uh, oh, here we go. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's go uh, down the list of season openers, and let's give. It's way too early to give predictions. Predictions on each of the games. Every, just to get everybody in the habit of giving predictions for games, because <laughs> we'll eventually do it. Uh, so I will I will say a game and then everybody can uh, feel free to give a really terrible prediction. I will start, however, from Toronto versus Rochester and go the other way because I feel weird for mentioning Bethlehem first so often. So Toronto versus Rochester on April seventh. Uh, Ryan, you're our neutral third party, so give us a, a, a jumping off point. Toronto's been building up their academy over the past couple of years, and Rochester's always been a really solid team. But I say I'll just go with a draw for this occasion. Uh, I think we'd be lucky to get a draw. Rochester kind of starts slow. Um, they have a late preseason kickoff. And, I mean, yeah, Toronto, they're all young, so <laughs> they're quick. Um, I think we'd be lucky to get a draw, but I think it's going to be a 2-1 for Toronto. Uh, I think the Rhinos kits will infuriate, confuse, and frustrate <laughs> Toronto FC too to no end. That and the uh, the home field advantage, give or take, with the weather, uh, Rochester comes out of it with a uh, one nil win. Uh, the battle of I four Tampa and Orlando B uh, rowdies at home on March twenty fifth. Uh, Ryan, what, what do you got? I think Tampa makes a big splash in the Eastern Conference, and they'll prove to be one of the top teams, especially beating the pretty much average Eastern Conference club of Orlando, 3-1 Tampa. Cool. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay has made their intent known um, this preseason. Uh, I, I think they do one better. They go 4-0 on Orlando City B. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't have anything different to add, um, except that I think Joe Cole is going to get a brace. Um, Ooh, love it. Tampa Ooh. is is too strong, re- regardless of how many you know USL or uh, MLS contracts get loaned down. I think right. Tampa. I mean, because they've already started preseason, they've been in it for a while. They're yeah. going to be too much at the beginning of the season. Yep. Uh, St. Louis and Ottawa on April first, Ryan. Both teams looking to at least, again, I keep overhyping, making an impact entering the league. But, hey, that's I'll, something none of those teams could do. Oh, I guess Ottawa can. <laughs> Never mind. I guess I'll say a Precky gets the job done. Hey. Ir- Irvin Herrera gets two goals, 2-1. Two, um, again, yes, I agree. <laughs> Irvin Herrera, um, when he scores, he scores in bunches. Um they could just make it easier, and Ottawa could wear orange shirts and pretend that they're Tulsa, and then Urban <laughs> Herrera would just score even more. But 
Yeah, that game's too much to look Western past. Western Conference uh, joke. Uh, oh, the banter is so hard today, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I I will I will defend the Fury. Um, I believe they will make a Montreal-sized impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also a team that's been that's been loading up with players in the offseason and I just think they've kind of been overshadowed by their NASL former NASL running mates uh, I think they take care of St. Louis 2-1 it'll be a tight game but I, I think uh, I think Ottawa has the uh, the edge uh, Brendan your Rhinos take on New York Red Bull 2 on April 22nd uh, yeah, that's probably going to be a 0-0, zero, zero, guys. Um, two of their meetings last year, I mean, they were both at Red Bull Arena, but two of the meetings last year were 0-0. Zero, zero. The one game in Rochester was a 1-1. One, one. Um, uh, and they had some 0-0s zero, in 2015, too, so that's the, the most likely scoreline. Ryan? I'll pick history to repeat, and it's just going to be another draw and something I'll watch the highlights of. It will be a draw. I will go out on a, on a limb <laughs> and say 3-3, uh, three, because three, I'm crazy. Uh, Harrisburg and Richmond in Virginia, uh, March 25th. Uh, a- another one that I, I really think is going to end in a draw. I'll say 2-2, two, two, uh, but I, I don't see... You know, Richmond lost T. Roberts and Udaya Murrah. You have Harrisburg losing uh, Jose Barril, a couple other key players for them. Um, someone will find goals. They'll be sloppy goals, but they'll be goals nonetheless. Two-two draw. Uh, every time I say something against Harrisburg, they prove me wrong. Um, so I don't know how, but Bill Butcher's going to get something done. He's going to find some player who can get a score goal. Piece. <laughs> yeah, probably. Ryan, I'll be the odd person out and say Richmond gets it done on opening day. Right. One 0 uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds have to play host to the defending champions themselves, uh, March 25th. Um, the, the one thing I could say about the, the, the Riverhounds, they brought back a lot of pieces, I mean, the important pieces from last year, and they got a lot of their business done early. They were signing guys in, I think, even like the fall in November <laughs> for the upcoming yeah, yeah. season. Um, and um, Devon Elliott randomly saw it on, on Twitter that he you know got to Pittsburgh and started. So... <laughs> um, what else we got? Oh, uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, Battle of Ontario, the first meeting uh, in Ottawa. Not too big of a road trip, so don't factor that in your your prediction. Uh, Toronto on the twenty second. Um, another draw. Yeah, I'm picking another draw. Cool. <laughs> like one um, one. Something like that. Both teams seem roughly, or at least could attempt to be pretty even and I could see like two second half scores and for a draw. Yeah, um Ottawa has some some crafty veteran players that Toronto doesn't have. Um so if there's anything to, to pick between the two players, um I think it it's gonna be between um it's gonna come down to Ottawa's experience in the second half. Louisville O C B in Orlando March thirtieth. Uh Uh, I don't want to say a draw again, guys. One nothing, yeah. Orlando. Uh, I, I mean, Orlando opens up, or Orlando B opens up their new stadium in downtown 
Orlando, but I think Louisville will spoil the party. I'll go 2-1. Uh, I think Louisville's going to find it hard without their mainstays from last season. There's going to be some holes in midfield. Um, and, I mean, Orlando, even though they weren't that great of a team, uh, they found ways to beat up on teams and catch them on the break, uh, especially down the wings. I think there's there's enough speed in there to, to punish a flat-footed midfield and defense. Uh, Red Bull hosting the kickers April 1st from uh, their new home. Yeah, in Montclair. In the, uh, yeah, college there. In New York, finally, right? New York's finally playing in New York. I can't say that, hey, well, that about the not even. club. Not even. I won't let you have that. Their, uh, their affiliate's playing in New York. Uh, Red Bull 3, Richmond 1. I, um, I just think Red Bull have too much in the locker for, for a kicker's team that got depleted. I'll go 3-0. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Regardless of what lineup Roch- or, uh, New York puts out, there's going to be capable players there. Uh, Louisville, St. Louis, March 25th. Uh, St. Louis, it's uh, that'd be St. Louis's first game, right? Yeah. At least out of what we can tell, uh, I, I think they come out and make a statement in the Eastern Conference. They take the win, two-one. Uh, yeah, I think Breck really inspires them and. Yeah. He inspires um, us. <laughs> he'll get his players to play the way that, you know, Precky played when Precky was a player. Um, you know, you saw Precky play in MLS, and, uh, you know, he has that tenacity of an indoor player, even when he's playing outdoor. So I think that the, the style that Precky employed as a player will really come through when Precky coaches the players for St. Louis. Ryan, can you say Precky any more times than Brendan just did? I didn't even <laughs> – I lost him. I was trying – yeah, I don't think I would be able to mount the Prucky references in one sentence, but I will say St. Louis is, takes care of business on opening night, 1-0. Harrisburg City Islanders City FC, who still have not had their logo change officially recognized by the by the league. <laughs> yeah. Host Bethlehem Steel, uh, April 15. Now, guys, before we, we say anything, uh, last year, all time, Bethlehem lost twice to Harrisburg in two attempts. So, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, the Dauphin County Wanderers um, have that precedent <laughs> oh. against Bethlehem Steel. Um, so I think, yeah. you know, some of these uh, MLS2 teams are going to have trouble kind of um, developing chemistry early in the season, mm. um, especially yeah. with fluid rosters that change um, you know, preseason to yep. and throughout the season, I think that yeah, it looks it looks like the City Islanders are going to get it done. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think City Islanders take two 0 victory. Uh, I I will say this: uh, it'll be interesting to see what Matt Perella has to offer now that he is not kind of the on the receiving end of a terrible back line um, with, with Matt Real coming in, I think I think we'll see a lot of Austin Trusty uh, this mm-hmm. year as well, just because there's not really room for for five or six center backs in MLS. <laughs> um, but uh, up front, I think if Corey Burke finds his form with Jamaica, uh, or that he had with Jamaica in an USL, he's going to be a nightmare. Um, I, if he can do that, and I think he will, I, I think uh, I think Bethlehem takes care of, of uh, Harrisburg 2-0. Um, Cincinnati-St. Louis, 
there's no way Cincy doesn't win this game. I think it's just by how much. Uh, I, I'm sorry, St. Louis, this is a terrible welcome to the Eastern Conference, but I think they hang five on you, unanswered. Uh, they're that good. They got Decray, uh, Dakers is there. Aiden Quinn's there. They didn't lose anybody except for Okoli, but they filled him in with, with Dakers and, and Quinn. So <laughs> this is a nasty Cincinnati team, and I, I think they uh, they play like it. Yeah. It's Especially a renovated Nippert, nonetheless, too. Right. Um, you know, this is kind of the the game itself might get overshadowed by the just the celebrity of the coaches involved. You got um, Precky and John Hart. Throw it up! So... Oh, um, yeah, they they bite. They both they uh they both might look good in like a you know a nice little sweater vest, but um, Ooh, love it. John Harks might have the sexier style of play, um, oh, but Precky will have the sexier style. Uh, Precky will deliver sexier stud bruises on opposing players. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Ryan, I. I don't know where you can go from here that would be up from Precky references, so just give us a score. Uh, I'll go 3-1 uh, Cincinnati. There you go. Uh, the Charlotte Independents will allegedly host the Charleston Battery on April 1st. Site and time to be determined. Guys, what do we, what do we think? Um, well, it's on. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm a little uh, interested to see how much this kind of uncertainty because um the usl team owner i'm pretty sure has threatened to pull his team if he doesn't get the deal he wants from the from the municipality um so there's a little bit of of uncertainty not only where the team will play but like if the team continues i'm pretty sure they'll play um but i know former rhino's uh Bilal Duckett actually like gave testimony at a public hearing about it um about you know how they need to support uh you know local professional soccer at the like now d2 level um so i don't know if it has an effect but i, I think it will the kind of uncertainty um and the, the fact that like a thousand people show up to charlotte independence <laughs> games um i think charleston gets it done well the southern Ryan derby <laughs> the southern yeah. derby cup has now gone down to Charleston and Charlotte with the departure of the Hammerheads, and oh. I think the Battery defend or will most likely defend their Southern Derby Cup championship, and I'll go with they hang four on Charlotte. Damn. Brian Brown and Zach Pfeffer, if he is loaned again to Charlotte <laughs> Independence, will <laughs> obliterate the Charleston. Our logo looks like it has light tubes in it. Uh, <laughs> two nothing. <laughs> in a parking lot outside of a McDonald's in the greater Charlotte area. Uh, speaking of the Charleston light tubes, they host FC Cincinnati on March 25th. I hope they don't actually have light tubes. Cincinnati might hit them with it. Since uh, he like three, Charleston one. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Charleston, some of these veteran coaches, um, I've kind of figured out how to deal with the exuberance of Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, Charlotte dealt with them on the road in the playoffs. Um, I think I think Charleston is set. I mean, they 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 know how they know how they're going to play. Um, they know what they're going to do regardless of opposition. Um, I think they're going to be well drilled. Um, they're also probably in pretty good shape from getting chased by all of the uh, 
are they crocodiles or alligators? I can never tell the difference. But <laughs> whichever one is plaguing the Charleston Battery pra- uh, training facility. Ryan? You know, th- I'm going to have to side with the Battery on this one. They opened up against Cincinnati last year and, and started their season with a win and proved to be the dagger to the Ohio club in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just think that Charleston always, or for most of last year, they had the number on Cincinnati and proved to be their to use a DC Comics reference, their kryptonite, you know, hey. I'll go Charleston 2-1. And then, you know how I said earlier that I felt bad for having to say Bethlehem first all the time because alphabetically with our first team in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> I lied. I was saving the best for last. My steal, host, uh, host Brendan's Rochester Rhinos, April 1st. Uh, last year, for, uh, I don't know, sake of of uh clarification i guess two draws one of them was one one the other one was two two i think mm-hmm. uh more of the same i would i would imagine uh i'll go with one one yeah i mean i can't really see this being anything other than a draw um rochester kind of starts the season slow um this should be their first game of the season they play bethlehem and then go up to toronto mm-hmm. um yeah, there's not going to be much firepower in Rochester that early in the season. I guess I'll add on that. I'll say a draw as well. I don't really have a. I don't have as much knowledge in the matches both of you guys do. That'll be the week that we have to try to convert Ryan to one of our sides. We'll just do a debate. <laughs> um, it, now, if I can, this will be. I'm going to be a little mad at myself later because I'm actually giving away one of my best uh, reasons for you to, to follow Steel, Ryan. The snake kind of looks like a seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm looking at the logo now and Bethlehem it kind of does. FC, and um, this will be a really good audio joke, he said sarcastically. Uh, I want our attack this year. I'm gonna. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to work this into an interview. No, I won't. Uh, I want our attack this year to be the way seahorses give birth, which is just a bunch of tiny seahorses coming at you from all <laughs> angles, and you don't know where they came from. <laughs> oh man! All right. Oh boy, we gotta get the hell out of here. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, I thought um, you were gonna somehow yeah. tie that into the males carrying the the developing <laughs> seahorses, and I was James Chambers is gonna put the team on his back and lead them to victory. Uh, oh boy! All right, we got it. Um, and on Brendan, that note, <laughs> yeah, Brendan, Brendan, where can people find you on Twitter unless they're fans of Louisville City? Uh, I'm feeling magnanimous this week, even if you're a Louisville City fan, even though I oh. said your team's going to lose every single game it plays, I think, when we did that rundown. Um, we... You can find me on Twitter at Doherty Soccer, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y Soccer. Ryan, how about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. I was I was waiting for you. The last two weeks you've said that's the airport code for Wilmington, <laughs> and so I was giving you a beat to say it, but you didn't. Uh, you can find myself personally uh, at Valella, that's V is in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A-B-S-F-C on Twitter. Also, we actually have a Twitter now. We are at ECC Pod. It's really easy. Uh, also, if your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns for us exceed 140 characters, feel free to send <laughs> us an email. 
Uh, it is ECC Mailbag. That is ECC M-A-I-L-B-A-G at gmail.com, and it'll show up, and we will read it on air, unless you're very angry or terribly vulgar, and then I will not read the one and maybe <laughs> kind of edit your words for the other. Uh, we're going to have some friends on in the next couple weeks. Hopefully we'll get some dates for that short up shortly. Boston and Matt, that was for you. Uh, other than that, guys, and, and until next time, uh, this has been Eastern Conference Confidential, a uh, subsidiary podcast of the beautiful game network. Take care.